Be careful, though. Be very careful with flaked almonds. They are not at all suitable for morose or faint-hearted types, and shouldn't be flung about like confetti, because almonds are not in the least like confetti. On the contrary, flaked almonds ought not to touch one another, and should be organised in simple patterns, as on the side of a pavlova. And then they are quite pretty, and perfectly innocuous, But shake out a palmful of flaked almonds, and you'll see they closely resemble fingernails that have come away from a hand which has just seen the light of day. Black jam and blanched fingernails, slowly sinking into the oozing burgoo. Lately, in the mornings, Ravel, played several times over, has been a very nice accompaniment, indeed. And this, for now, is how... With minor variations, the day begins. My own nails are doing very well, as a matter of fact. Indeed, I'm not sure they have ever done better. If you must know, I painted them in the kitchen last Wednesday after lunch, and the shade I painted them right there in the kitchen is called Highland Mist, which is a very good name, a very apt name, as it turns out, Because, you see, the natural colour of my nail, both the white part and the pink part, is still just about visible beneath the polish. It hasn't been completely obscured. And as time passes, the polish doesn't chip away as such. It just sort of thins out around the edges. So now, as well as being able to see the white part and the pink part, the soot beneath the tips is also clearly visible. There, through the mist, which is of course the colour of heather, I can see coal dust beneath my fingernails. When the nails aren't painted at all, this dirt has no other effect besides looking grubby and unkempt. But under the thinning sheen of highland mist, something further occurs to me when I consider my hands. They look like the hands of someone very charming and refined, who has had to dig themselves up out of some dank and wretched spot they really shouldn't have fallen into. And that amuses me. That really amuses me. Indeed, it wouldn't be entirely unwarranted to suggest that I might, overall, have the appearance and occasionally emanate the demeanour of someone who grows things. That's to say, I might, from time to time, be considered earthy, in its most narrow application. However, truth is, I have propagated very little and possess only a polite curiosity for horticultural endeavours. It's quite true that bright green parsley grows out of a pot near my door, but I did not grow it from seed. Not at all. I simply bought it already sprouted from a nearby supermarket, turned the plant out its plastic carton, and shoved its compacted network of roots and soil here, into the pot next to my door. Prior to that, some years ago, when I lived near the canal, I could plainly see from my bedroom window a most idyllic piece of land, encircled by the gardens of houses in back-to-back streets, which thereby rendered it landlocked and enticing. It seemed impossible to get to the garden, Yet when I tore after a cat early one day, he led me directly to it, 
whereupon he skedaddled sharpish and left me a tortured wren to cradle and fold. The wren had sung above my head for many weeks in the sunshine while I wrote letters in the morning, and so it was only natural for me to cry out when I found it maimed and silent on the moss beneath the privet hedge. I was so upset I wanted to take that cat to a hot pan and sear its foul backside in an explosion of oil. I'll make you hiss, you little shit. Never mind. I was in the garden that nobody owned or imposed upon, and now that I had come here once, I could come here again, surely. That's how it worked when I was a child, anyhow, and I don't suppose these matters change a great deal. I made sly inquiries, just as a child does, but unfortunately, in contrast to a child.